Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. It'll be Oregon State, UCLA at Research Stadium on Saturday. Big platform, Fox, 5 o'clock kickoff. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, here to talk about it. How you doing? Yeah, doing solid, man. You doing well? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I am. Uh, we're in the thick of this season, and I feel like I'm reading a great book, and I'm loving the games. I just want it to slow down. I want to enjoy every week, you know, because of how uh, this season is supposedly the last season. So, you guys had a good one last week. I got to see it in person. It was fun to see your offense. How fun was that for you to get the offense going? Yeah, that was that was enjoyable, man. We needed it in that game the way it was going, uh, but we did. We executed really well. Uh, the passing game, complement the running game. DJ had obviously a great game and contributions from a bunch of guys and put up a lot of points, which we needed to to find a way to win on the road. What does that feel like to get like? I think you've had an offensive and a defensive lineman now catch touchdown passes this season. That's you're getting kind of you're you're reaching into the playbook. Yeah, the guys, the guys like it on the team, man. I mean, Joshua Gray, old lineman catching something, and then Hodge, you know, on both sides, so well liked on both sides. That sideline was jumping when Hodge got in the end zone, and he made the most of it, man. He's figuring out a dance or two to to get on Twitter, and everyone's seeing it, so it was fun. I was trying to figure out how many touchdown receptions uh, Isaac Hodgins needs to catch Isaiah, but I think it's quite a few. Uh, they're gonna have to spread. Yeah. You need to split him out a little bit. Get him the ball in space. <laughs> yeah, seriously, get him running down the field. Uh, <laughs> you're right on. His brother was a big-time player catching a bunch of balls. Hodge's got a He's contributing in different ways than, than catching touchdowns, uh, but he's got a ways to go there. Your other guy, Anthony Gold, had two huge receptions. A uh, little bit of karma. He comes on our show every week, and, uh, I, you know, he's just playing with confidence. He looks really, really good out there. Yeah, he's getting to a good place because he's banged up a little bit, you know, missed a game early and dealt with a little bit of an ankle. And those third-down catches were huge in that game. I mean, we're third and long. He's coming up with two big-time catches that extended drives that turned into points. I mean, if we don't convert there or we're punting, and that game is totally different. Jonathan Smith with us, Oregon State. Uh, you know, you're working in Aiden Childs. You've got... Uh, obviously, DJ playing well. He looked. He looked like he's got some confidence, and the numbers are there. Do you continue to use Aiden, or do you? You know, what, how do you feel about using him situationally still, with you know the eligibility element looming in the background? Yep, yep that's all part of the kind of thought process, conversation. We we're going to take it week to week. Um, I'll, I'll credit DJ. I mean, I don't think it's gotten to him. Uh, in any way distracted, out of place, out of rhythm. I mean, he, last week comes in, Aiden, third series again, and, and goes down, throws a touchdown pass, and DJ's back in there and, and rolling. I do think there's value in getting Aiden, Aiden some experience. And, again, that's not the only goal is to get the guy experience. We feel like he's a good player. He can do some things when he's in the game. And so, look, I, I, I don't know for certain what it's going to look like week in and week out. Uh, we will not hesitate if we think it's best for the team to, to keep playing them and, and use the redshirt year or and don't use the redshirt year. And, right. and Aiden's a part of that conversation, too. Um, but I think he's feeling good about playing a little bit. So 
yeah, we'll see what it looks like this Saturday and, and each Saturday after. Jonathan, the uh, the offense looked great. I've seen your defense look great at other times, and I, I kind of left the stadium in Cal thinking this, like if, if this team could ever put the effort together complete on both sides of the ball, who's beating this team? Nobody, Nobody's going to beat you guys if you guys can do that. How far away does that kind of performance feel to you? Yeah, I mean, we want to put it together, especially as you continue to play quality opponents, and we got a big-time one coming in here. And so we're going to need all three phases, uh, not to play perfect, but play at a high level. And, and again, you got to find ways to win games with your defense, offense, and special teams. And so, I, yeah, I'm confident if we continue to improve and, and can play well in all three phases, we can beat a lot of people. Um, but it's not easy to do. Uh, we got to keep working and, and try to – again, we're trying to win the game. Uh, but we're going to need all three phases to do it against some of these teams we got rest left on our schedule. I've heard that a couple times, you know, not trying to play perfect. Is is there a reason why? Is it because if you try to be perfect, you're tight or you can't do it that way? I mean, you're, obviously, I, I think about that with writing in this radio show. You can never, I can never write a perfect column. There's too many combinations of words. I can never have a perfect show. It's three hours. I'm, at some point, I'm going to look back and go, I could have done that or I could have done that. What is it with football in, in, in saying, hey, you know, can't be perfect? Yeah, well, I think it's a little bit about, one, it's not real, realistic to think that you're going to play perfect. And then the response when something goes wrong, like, what, are you going to just quit in the second quarter if you have a bad rep? Like, no, you got to keep keep playing the game. And, and they've got players, too, that are going to make plays, and so it's out of your control sometimes to be perfect. Uh, you're always aspiring. You want to have sustained excellence for 60 minutes. And part of being you know, excellent is recovering from mistake, recovering from you know the other team making some plays and momentum swings and all of that. Uh, so that's where I go to this, this game. It's not about being perfect. I think it's a good message, too. Uh, the... The opposition this week, UCLA, defensively, they've looked lights out in consecutive games. What do you see on the defensive side, first of all, with UCLA? Yeah, that, uh, lights out is one way to describe it. I mean, these guys have been dominant, uh, rushing the passer, long, athletic, uh, schematically challenge you, uh, length in the secondary can run, um, stopping the run and sacking the passer uh, left and right on the tape. And so this is a good, good defense. Uh, and, again, they played the last two weeks, but really throughout the season, you look at the people who score points, that, that ain't a lot of points on there, causing how to create turnover. So um, it's a, a serious challenge um, playing these guys. The offensive side of the ball, they got a young guy, Dante Moore, who is playing at quarterback? Um, what does he look like to you, and what do they look like in general to you on film? Yeah, he's a gifted passer. He's going to stand in there, and he doesn't get rattled. Uh, he recognizes the coverage. He makes some really good throws. Schematically, obviously, one of the best in the country with with Chip calling the thing, and you always get something new. And they got the tempo part. You look at their offense too. This thing is balanced in regards to run to pass. They can beat you both ways. The back's a physical runner, not easy to bring down. You're not going to arm tackle this guy. You need to gang tackle him. So there's a lot to, that'll challenge you on that side. I mean, they've been productive, the amount of yards, points, and they can beat you through the air or on the ground. Were you surprised that at that Washington State-UCLA game when you looked at the film? You know, I don't know about... Uh, again, Washington State's, I think, really good. I'm not surprised because you knew that defense, UCLA, could affect the passer, and they did a good job of that. Um, got a couple of turnovers. Uh, I thought the game would be close, and it was. Um, 
so not totally surprised because these things are competitive and you, you just don't really know week in and week out how games are going to go. I would have been, yeah, surprised that we it was fifty-two to forty against Cal. I mean, that was surprising, right. but you just don't know how how these games are going. I think UCLA, Washington State last week was the same thing. If you had told me that Cal was going to score forty on you guys, I would have said it was a loss. You know, and I and I because I I would have said no, there's no way I I I felt like Cal's defense would do a little better job on you, but you guys lit it up. When you get into a game like that, when it you're looking up at ninety-two points in a game with Justin Wilcox, that's insane. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, I know. Anyway, Cal played good on offense. Now, like the brand new quarterback, yeah. we hadn't any, any tape on him. He's running around making plays. Their run game, we did not do a good job handling at all. Both backs are good. Odd and uh, slipping on his name, twenty-two yeah. good runners. Uh, and we helped them out too. I mean, we onside kick on a risky play, give him the ball at the nineteen. We rough the punter, give him a free first down. They end up scoring on that thing. So um, that's how these football games go. I uh, I have to you know look around the conference and I think it's a big weekend obviously but I still think a one loss team is going to get to Vegas and do you guys set goals as a team or do you really stay can you really get guys to focus on this is the only game of the week we have to be focused can you you know can can they stop being human and do they you know be a little bit robotic in thinking that way. Well, you're trying to. We talk about goals, just you know, training camp early in the season. You know, we want to aspire to having a great year and going to a championship, winning a championship. We talk about those things like in in August, but it's easy to talk about it. What's the best process to get you to that point? And then you get into a weekly routine and staying locked in and the opponent right in front of you. And we don't control what takes place in November and, and those type of things. All you can stay is is locked in on this Saturday. It's you know, who knows what it's going to look like health-wise for teams. Who who beats who? All those kind of things. We control. We got an opponent this Saturday that we want to play well against. All right, uh, you're not a rah-rah ga- guy before games. You've said you're not a pregame speech guy, but afterwards in the locker room after a win, you know what? Do you talk about the weekend? Do you talk about the game that was just played? What kind of messaging? Like the Cal game, for example. I'm not in the locker room after the game. We see, we can hear the cheer from outside, but what kind of messaging are you immediately trying to get to your team after a game like that? Yeah, it, it, well, for that one like that, on the road, reminding them how hard it is to win on the road, really proud of them. Uh, point out a few guys make big-time plays, like you know Gould and DJ playing great. Uh, you know, we win together and... Just those type of things, and then yeah, let's sing the fight song. There's nothing better when the you know water's spraying a little bit. Guys are singing the fight song and hugs going around on the road. Locker room wins, special stuff. All right, you uh, you ready for this game this weekend? Um, you know, obviously you got a couple more days of preparation, but do you um, do you now focus on fine tuning stuff? Or are you focused on kind of mentality? Uh, game plan? Do you have, you know, offensively, are you scripted early in the game? Give us an idea in the next 48 hours, kind of what, what happens in your world. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fine-tuning. So tomorrow's practice is a little bit shorter, lighter. No, we're not going to put shoulder pads on, pads on tomorrow, uh, but detailing the plan, re-repping some things. We'll do all four phases of special teams tomorrow's practice. Um, coaches uh, staff meet tomorrow afternoon where talk about situations in the game, things that came up across the country, you know, uh, just so when we get in those moments, we've had some early communication on how we'd handle it, how we're going to communicate, that kind of thing. And then it's family night, Thursday night, get out of the office and go see go see the kids type thing. We do, we do get some work done Friday morning, 
lighter again, um, but re-repping a lot of things and go through it. And then we got some meetings in the evening and, and then wake up. Saturday, 5 o'clock kicks. We'll do a couple walkthroughs during the day, watch a little college football and hop on the bus, whatever that is, about 2, 2.30. Are you superstitious? Not totally. Not totally. How about this? So Dennis Erickson used to say when I was playing, the only superstition he had was to have good players. <laughs> so I always thought of it that way. You know, I'm a, you know, I got a little bit of routine and stuff, but ultimately these guys are the ones that you're going to prepare okay. to go out there and fly around and, and count on the players. All right, Gary, give us, a, give us one thing in your routine that you kind of like to keep sacred. Like one thing you do each time. Oh, jeez. Um... Yeah, I don't know about sacred. Because but, uh, your buddy Bruce Barnum said he eats grits on game day. He has grits and he eats a, he drinks a Pepsi. And then he tries to say he's not superstitious, but, you know, here's Portland State's coach eating grits and drinking Pepsi every game day. That's that's a superstition, I guess. Or a routine. Yeah. Give us one, one element of your routine. Um, my routine, I think definitely a few cups of coffee before the first walkthrough. I'll eat pasta because you always got pasta at pregame mm-hmm. meals, so I will definitely... Yeah. Mix in a little of that, and then I have a cup of coffee when we arrive at the stadium. All the time, the equipment guys hook me up. Yeah, I noticed that. Sure I'm wide awake. Wide I notice. Yep. Yeah, I notice you often because I have photographers that'll shoot you guys on the walk. You often have a cup, a paper cup of coffee in your hand. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty routine for me, man. I'll I'll make sure I get a little caffeine in me. I enjoy a warm cup of coffee in my hand. Somebody needs to sell that endorsement. You need to get Dutch Bros or Starbucks or somebody to be get that endorsement with you. I mean, that's an <laughs> yeah. opportunity right there. See? That's how I think. They get, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know if they'd want me endorsing their stuff, but I'd have to drink coffee. Jonathan, what does Jonathan Smith drink right before the football game? Hey, uh, one last thing. Are you a, are you a data guy? It, I mean, when I say that, I mean there's too much. Sometimes you can go too far with data. Are you more of a data guy when it comes to game planning, or are you more data's cool, but I need to feel it too, and I'm more of a I go with what I feel. Yeah, I I'm going to go on both sides of it. We definitely have data tendencies, analytics, uh, information that way to help with whatever play calling or decision making. Um, but then you get into these games, and uh, I do have a feel to it because some of these analytics you go into the game, it's per, you know, predetermined, anticipated score is this. This is going to be a high scoring game. This is going to be a low scoring. You, well, you get into the game and there's some adjustments taking place, and you got to you go with your gut at that point. Yeah, there has to be. I have to think though. On like fourth down, you might go, "Hey, here's the here's what the data says." But ultimately, you're in the stadium. There's fifty thousand people there. You got to make a decision that is a human decision, right? Like I'm going for it, I'm not going for it. I'm I'm hitting on 16 or I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. You got to be now again. This data will lead up to that decision. You kind of know, especially on the fourth down thing, or you know when you're onside kicking at the end of the game when you start with that. Uh, but there's a, there's a gut feel. The previous play tells you information right before you're making the decision. You know you're anticipating third down going a certain way. Well, it might have gone totally different. You might have taken a 10-yard sack. Um, and so there's a lot going on on that 40-second clock decision-wise, communicating it from myself to the play caller to the signaler to the quarterback to get it to the line of scrimmage. There's a lot. All right. Good luck to you on Saturday against UCLA. Have a good cup of coffee and a good game. Yeah, I appreciate it, John. All right, you take care. There's Jonathan Smith. Get him a coffee endorsement. Where's Dutch Bros on this thing? Scott Ruick, the women's basketball coach, he's got a Dutch Bros cup in his hand or on the bench. You you know that's sponsored. 
somebody at Oregon State in the athletic department, get on this. Golden opportunity. Oregon State at home, where they are a favorite on Saturday. I don't want to come off like a homer, but I picked Oregon to win on the road at Washington. My official picks will go out tomorrow at johnconzano.com with the spreads. I I think Oregon State's going to win at home against or, uh, against UCLA on Saturday. So I'll take the trend being your friend there, 27-1. I just think Greaser Stadium's one of those places. But uh, Stephen and I are going to give our lean for the week coming up. I uh, I have some feelings about all of these games. Great week of Pac-12 football games. Leave it here. We'll give our official picks later in the week. But Stephen and I often will give our lean for the week. Uh, what is our lean? Well, we've got it right here. Uh, we've got to, we're going to go through the football games for the Pac-12 conference, and we will uh, give our picks for the week, but not officially. All right, Stanford's at Colorado, seven o'clock on Friday. This is a Friday night game on ESPN. Be a pretty big audience there with Colorado involved. Colorado's favored by eleven and a half. I think it's too many points. Right now, I'm leaning Stanford. How about you, Stephen? Yeah, too many points right there. Um, I don't know that Colorado is ready to be a double-digit favorite over pretty much anybody at this point. Still, like the way that they've played, um, isn't that good to be to be favored by that much. It'll be interesting to see if Travis Hunter plays. John, uh, if he gets ruled in on Friday, if that point spread goes higher, if he's active or if mm. he's inactive. Um, yeah, if it is, you know, maybe that goes up to 14, and even that, I think, is probably too many points. I still take Stanford, even with Travis Hunter being that good but uh you know i hope travis hunter plays i'm excited to see how he does but colorado you know they struggled against arizona state but they got the win you got to give them credit there but i just don't think they're ready to be that big of a favorite so uh yeah give me stanford i think colorado wins and gets to five and two man crazy season for them but uh i think stanford will uh lose by about 10 points i think there's a chance stanford could win this game i think stanford will be in it and that's why i'll take stanford in the points but i think colorado wins by like six Seven, maybe. But I, I don't see a double-digit win by Colorado. Let's go on to Cal. Cal's at Utah. Noon, Saturday, Pac-12 Network. Utah's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Utah, we don't know if they're going to have Cam Rising or not. It's the same old, same old week. I'm really struggling with this game because I like Utah, but the way that Utah plays without Cam Rising is it's, it's not like they're playing 35-31 games. They're playing... 14 to 10, 14 to 7, and when you involve 13 and a half points, it's an awful lot of points. Right now, I probably will lean a little bit of Cal, maybe. I don't know. I have, I need an official pick. I need more I need more info on Cam Rising, but I would lean Cal right now and take the 13 and a half, but don't hold me to it. I could change my mind overnight. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to hold you to it on that one. I you know, I'm going to go opposite way. I think Utah gets a big win and wins by a lot in this game. And, and the reason why is, this is an assumption, maybe it's bad on me to do this, but I, I expect Fernando Mendoza to get the start. No matter who's healthy, who's back, I think the freshman gets the start. And we saw what happened last time. A freshman went into Rice-Eccles Stadium. That was Dante Moore, and UCLA put up seven points. It was a pick six on the first play of the game for Utah. I liked what Mendoza did against Oregon State, but when you go up against Utah at Rice-Eccles Stadium, it's a different animal. Uh, and so I expect that defense to get after the freshman, going to make some mistakes, and I, I think it's going to be a very low-scoring affair. But, you know, a 24-10 to type victory, 27-10 to type victory, I could see Utah getting. Um, I think Utah wins and covers this game because I'm expecting that Mendoza gets the start. If he doesn't, I you know, I, I might think a little differently because Sam Jackson has seen other defenses, but 
you got to go with the freshman in my mind. And so I, for that, I think Utah gets the win and the cover. Oregon's at Washington, 1230 Saturday, Pac-12 Network. Softy from KJR joined us earlier, and I think he said it well when he said Oregon's the better team in a roundabout way. Uh, look, Washington's a three to three and a half point favorite. I think that line's going to get bet down closer to kickoff, and I know why. Oregon's going to win the game outright. Oregon is going to win on the road 27-1 and home favorites in the Pac-12. I'm going against the trend. I just think Oregon's better. I've got back and forth, I think, every single day on this, John. I think uh, Monday I started with Washington. Tuesday was Oregon. I'm kind of back at Washington again. It's just kind of weird. Bo Nix, top, first top ten teams, two touchdowns, nine interceptions. Now I understand a lot of that was with Auburn. Different coordinators, different everything. But he has struggled in these big-time games. I need to see Bo Nix perform well on the road in a tough environment like Seattle where those rabid fans are going to be going crazy. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., I think Washington is going to be able to score enough on the Ducks. I need to see how Oregon does offensively. I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to score a lot of points. But Bo Nix may make that mistake. Maybe it's old Bo. Maybe he hasn't turned that uh, that shoulder yet You know, of, of, of all the mistakes he made at Auburn. I'm going to take Washington. I'm going to lay the points. I think Washington gets the win. I think they win by seven. I think Washington moves up probably to a top four team in the nation. And uh, when you're looking at the college football playoff, they'll be right there. I think Oregon's going to be in this game. It's going to be a fun game, but I'm going to take Washington, John. Uh, outside of Arizona, the strong majority of their touchdowns allowed, like 80% of them, came in when the game was already over. Uh, go back and look at the score against California. Go back and look at the score against Boise State, Michigan State. Garbage time touchdowns are, are padding the uh, the stats against Washington's defense. And you know what? Look, John, I'm sure a lot of teams can say that. I'm sure Oregon can say the same thing. But outside of the Arizona game, you go back and look at what this Washington defense has done. When the game is on the line, halftime, three-quarters, whatever, totally different animal. Yeah, I, I don't buy that. I just I see a defense that is not as good as what Oregon will put on the field do, on Saturday. I think th- that's the big difference. Do you think that um, the Washington defense could really step up because it is at home? Like they, They're not a good defense, right? But they could step up for a game and get the momentum and the adrenaline from the crowd and play really well in one game I and then I, I go into the schedule later. I think a game is too much. A game's too much. You can, you can, a crowd can make a difference with it – can, it can make an offense – have to uh, worry about the terminology they use and the snap count. And we saw USC play at Research Stadium last year at Oregon State, for example. And, and I asked Caleb Williams, what were we seeing? And he said because the crowd was so loud at Research Stadium, he said they weren't able to run motion. They just had to snap the ball on first sound. So they, it took them out of some of their offense and made them easier to defend. So the crowd can help. Being uh, in a hostile environment, it can help because it can force Oregon to not have some elements of its offense at its disposal. But in the end, you know, the Jimmys and the Joes are still Jimmy and Joe at the end of the play. And I just don't think Washington is as talented on the defensive side. I think that's what it comes down to for me. If Washington is to win this game, how many points are they going to have to score in this game? 40. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it, I think the winner of this game is in the 40s, and I think they have to be. I, I think these offenses are going to do enough. It may come down to what defense can make a play, whether it's a sack, whether it's an interception, but I think if a defense can make one big play, that could be the difference in the game. Oregon's going to be somewhere between 38 and 42 points. So can Washington get in there? I, I just I don't see it. I don't 
I just I think Oregon would have to play a pretty bad game on the defensive side for that to happen. So, so you're right. so you're kind of buying this Oregon defense as being a yeah because they're top yeah. ten. You know, but like, I'm, but I'm not saying they're going to hold Washington right, to right, 14 right. points. But I I think they can hold Washington to 31 and win the game. Like I think it could be a you know it could be a 35 31. It could be a 38 31 game in in that case. You know and and it and so if if like we'll ask Dan Landing this tomorrow. He's coming on tomorrow at 4:20. You know, how good does the defense have to be against Michael Penix Jr. in order for you to win? And I, that's a fair question. Arizona's at Washington State, 4 o'clock, Saturday, Pac-12 Network. Washington State's an eight-point favorite against an Arizona team that's been better. I think Washington State bounces back. But right now, Arizona and eight? Can I, Dare I take a road dog to play close? No, I'm not going to do that. Washington State's going to cover at home. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel good about this one, actually. I, I think Washington State gets a big time win, um, you know, double digit type of win. Cam Ward bounces back from that UCLA game. The defenses between UCLA and Arizona just night and day, and so I think Washington State back home gonna get it. It's gonna be you know chilly for Arizona. All those guys going up to Pullman, uh, great home field advantage. I think Washington State gets the win and the cover. USC's at Notre Dame, four thirty Saturday on Peacock and NBC. Trojans against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.